0: Because no matter what happens in this 2020 election, if we'll ever really know the true results, I can bring you the true, eternal results of an election that cannot be debated, that cannot be stolen, and cannot be argued against. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Good morning. It's hard to believe we are heading into Thanksgiving 2020, finally coming to an end. Come on now. That can't get here too quickly, right? Well, before we jump into the sermon series, wanted to give you an announcement that a longtime faithful member of our church family, Linda Young, has gone to be with Jesus. She's going to have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to have a great party for her. She's requested a party uh, it'll be Tuesday morning at ten thirty. It will be a very unique service, and we want to invite you for those of you who know Linda and her family today though, we begin a brand new sermon series. I wanted to uh, tackle a topic that few people are talking about these days. I thought what we might do is do a sermon series on the election. Can I get an amen from i uh, didn 't expect too many amens we 're a little burned out on the election of 2020. Uh, We look back now, November 3rd, 2020 was a record-setting day. A projected 161 million Americans debated whether all 161 million were Americans, were alive, were breathing, and capable of voting, but that many votes were cast in this particular election. It's now November 22nd, and we still don't know the official election results. Doesn't that just bless you in America today. While there are all kinds of disputed uh, results, legal battles, accusations of voter fraud and illegitimate results, all of this chaos came at a very high price. They have projected that nearly 14, uh, listen to this, 14 billion dollars was spent on this last election. 14 billion. If you look at the chart 2020s at the top, 2016, which supposedly broke all records four years ago. Uh, the presidential uh, candidates alone spent as much as the entire election of 2016. When you add in the congressional races, we find that we more than doubled what was spent four years ago to get the results that we got this year. All for 14 billion dollars. What a great return on the investment. While this is one of the most expensive and chaotic U.S. elections, I went back and uh, wanted to do a little research. I, I was kind of overwhelmed to realize there really hasn't been a normal election in our nation's history. We may have sanitized our history. We may have been protected from some of the history of the past, but I did some digging I wanted to go back and look, are there any other chaotic elections like what we just experienced? And I found that almost every election has been rather chaotic. Several jumped out. There was one, I can't even bring it to you, is in the 1700s, one of the earliest elections in our nation's history, and it was so vile, so disgusting, the words that were exchanged between candidates, I can't even preach from a pulpit in 2020, It caused me to blush, and that was back in the 1700s. Are you aware of this election? The election was 1872. Victoria Woodhull. Victoria Woodhull would be the first woman presidential candidate, not Hillary. It goes all the way back to 1872. This was extremely controversial because Victoria couldn't even vote for herself in this election. It was 50 years before women would even be allowed to vote in the United States. And here she was running for the presidency of the United States. She also had a very controversial vice presidential candidate. Think about this: 1872, Frederick Douglass, a well-renowned piece of our history, person in history, uh, who was very brilliant, very educated, very uh, strong in his leadership in our nation's history, was the vice presidential candidate, and that was very controversial in 1872. Quite a whirlwind election. A few years later, the next election, 1876, anybody remember Samuel Tilden? Samuel Tilden. President Tilden? No. He did win the popular vote. First time ever that a presidential candidate received the popular vote but lost the electoral college. Listen to this. He lost to, anybody know who he lost to in 1876? Rutherford B. Hayes. The electoral votes, 185 for Rutherford B. Hayes, 184 for Samuel Tilden. He lost by one electoral vote and won the popular vote. It was a very nasty disputed election. And oh, by the way, you can see his proclamation. This was taken out by Samuel Tilden, governor of the state of New York. And in this, he makes a proclamation that there was bribery and his election was stolen. This isn't new to U.S. politics. It goes all the way back to some of our earliest elections. Another one I found to be kind of crazy is a candidate by the name of Eugene Debs. Anybody read about Eugene Debs in your U.S. history courses? You you should have heard about him. He ran for president in 1900. He ran again in 1904, he ran again in 1908, he ran again in 1912, he ran again in 1920. He was on the ballot for five elections. As you take a look, you also see his party that he represented. Think about this, we got all alarmed at the labels that were thrown out this year, and I remember thinking to myself, I never thought a socialist agenda would ever arrive on the shores of the it goes way back to 1900. 1900, a socialist candidate. It gets even crazier. This candidate who began running as a socialist candidate in 1900, he received less than 1% of the vote. The next time he ran, he would receive 3% of the vote. In 1912, he received 6% of the vote. And in 1920, this was his campaign, and I kid you not. The last time he ran for president, take a look at this next slide, this was his campaign. He ran as convict number 9653. say, what does that mean? He was in prison. He ran his campaign from prison. He has been arrested for all of the chaos that he brought to our country in that time, was arrested, cast in prison, ran for president the fifth time, and and he gained one million votes. Our history at elections has been less than pretty, has been less than perfect. But what I want to do is get away from this election. I know that there is great fatigue among us all. I know we are overwhelmed and tired of hearing who won, who didn't won. Was it stolen? Was it fraud? Was it this? Was it that? We have proven we don't know how to do an election well. That's not the election we need to focus on. It's my conviction that as we move towards uh, the end of this year and into a season of Thanksgiving and a season of Christmas that we focus on an election that has already been determined, an election that is flawless, an election that is perfect, an election that makes a difference not just in 2020 but for all of eternity. That election is found in Romans. If you have your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We need to get our eyes off the 2020 election and focus on the election results that really matter. And it is my assertion, as I said earlier, this is a topic that very few people are talking about anymore, even in the church. The understanding of the eternal election that God has already predetermined and what that means in your life and mine. Many people have differing views of what I'm about to share from Scripture this morning being uh, discussed and uh, even argued in our seminaries to this very day. It's been wrestled with and struggled with throughout the days from the cross, through the resurrection, now into the New Testament church. But I want to bring to you some very simple truths about the election that matters. Today, we'll look at the election. Next few weeks, we'll look at the election results. Because no matter what happens in this 2020 election, if we'll ever really know the true results, I can bring you the true eternal results of an election that cannot be debated, that cannot be stolen, and cannot be argued against. And that's what we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I could just stop right there, close the book, and we could go home, right? What a great reminder It doesn't matter who voted for who in 2020. It doesn't matter what party is represented. It isn't about that. It's about the one in heaven who is for you and for me. Draw confidence in understanding the results of this election. That what God has done on your behalf proves that God is for you. Therefore, who or what could be against you? The rest of Romans 8, he would talk about there's nothing and he comes up with every conceivable possibility that there is not a single thing that can separate you from the love of God because he is for you. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Verse 33, who shall bring any charge then against God's Elect. Now choke on that word for a little bit like many have for the last few hundred years. The concept of God's elect. Who is God's elect? How are we God's elect? That's often the great debate. I'd rather you see the election first and then the results of that election. I'd rather you focus in on the simple truths of this election as given in Scripture and anchor your heart and your soul in those things. And don't get distracted by the theological arguments of brainiacs that miss out on the heart of God's truth. Let me give you a simple definition for election. Election simply defined as this. Those who are the elect are those who freely come to God, who God has freely chosen. Now you can wrestle with that definition for a little while. It represents both the sovereignty of God and the will of man. And what we believe and what you'll see in Scripture is God clearly, God clearly has predetermined a way for us to be able to come into relationship with Him. That whosoever will call on the name of the Lord can be saved. Now there are many who believe a little different than what I might preach today. And we can still love one another underneath this umbrella of limited understanding. What we're talking about are eternal spiritual truths that are, more, uh, that are wider and deeper than our finite ability to understand. But God has, in his infinite wisdom, revealed to us enough for us to understand. I want to take you to the very first sermon that was ever preached. If you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. I find this fascinating. In Acts chapter 2, we find the first sermon preached after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's Pentecost. Peter, who's denied Christ three times, is called to the Lord to stand in front of all of Jerusalem at that time, filled with millions of people who've come in to celebrate Passover and Pentecost. People from all over the world have gathered. Peter preaches the very first sermon. And in the very first sermon ever preached, the gospel is presented. And in this sermon... Peter brings the doctrine of election. Isn't that fascinating? Take a look at it. He said, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man, capital M, attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him. That was done in your midst just as yourselves know. Look at verse 23. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and the foreknowledge of God, You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men, and you put him to death. So we look at this passage, we find the gospel, and we find the unpacking of this concept of election. Spurgeon, thinking of this particular passage, the predetermined plan of God, said, I'm so glad that God chose me before the foundation of the world because he would have never chosen me after I was born. Now, that's his humble way of saying, I'm a character flawed by sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Certainly, I am not a candidate for God's grace. But praise God, he predetermined a plan that I could be forgiven and I could be one with God. Now, some read this passage that I just read and others, especially in the book of Romans, and they draw a conclusion, well, Spurgeon was chosen, but Judas was not. That God in election, this predetermined plan, predetermines which ones of you can be believers and which ones don't get to be believers. I don't believe that that's what Scripture teaches at all. That isn't what Peter preached. That isn't what we'll see through the full counsel of God this morning. So how do we wrestle with this concept of election, predestination, who are the elect, all of those questions that come? Well, let's let Scripture just speak to it. Go to verse 23 again first thing that Peter preached was the predetermined plan. He said, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. What we know about God is God is eternal and God is all-knowing. In his eternal being, he knows all of history that will ever take place or has taken place. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He understands and knows it all. That's the foreknowledge of God. He knew about the fall of man in the garden. He knew that we would be separated from his holy presence. And God so loved the elect, or God so loved you? God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. That is the predetermined plan. But notice also in verse 23, not only does he speak about the predetermined plan, but he speaks about the predetermined man. He doesn't speak about this predetermined plan being certain elect ones. He preaches the elect one, and that's the difference. And in his understanding of God's predetermined plan, he knew that predetermined plan was not determined on you or you or you or me. It was determined on the chosen one. Take a look at it. This man. Who's that man? Capital M. Jesus. This man was God's pre determined plan. The election was God's way of saving you and me and offering that way of salvation and that was only made possible through the candidate, one man, Jesus. He ran on God's ticket and the election has been won. A holy God cast his vote, the only vote that matters, and it was placed on the man who brought us the predetermined plan. So let's dig into it a little bit. Hang with me this morning. I know you're going to have to engage the brain a little bit more this morning. Just go along with me. Flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's look at this election through scripture. Let's look at some real simple key truths that's laid out in the Word of God about this reality called the election. My hope is that today we can lay this as a foundational sermon. Understand the election. Number two, move on in the weeks to come as we go through Thanksgiving and in the holidays, focusing on the election results. What are the results of this election? But if you don't get the election, the results don't matter anyway. Let's take a look at it. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who wants the elect to be saved. Is that how it reads? Who wants who to be saved? All people. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator. There's the plan and there's the man. When the gospel is being preached, you will always see the predetermined plan laid out, the gospel. And you will see that tied to the predetermined chosen one, the elect one, Jesus. One mediator between God and man. The man who? Christ Jesus. Verse 6 who gave himself as a ransom for all. There are those who believe that Jesus only died for the elect, for a select few. Predetermined ones. that He predetermined even before the foundation of the world. And I would say, Scripture indicates, he predetermined the plan of salvation. He predetermined the way of salvation through the man, the chosen one, and that chosen one and that predetermined plan was that he would die as a ransom for all, a testimony given at the proper time. Paul says, for this reason, I was appointed as a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I am not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. reason he even had to say this here in 1 Timothy is because there was an audience that believed that they were the chosen ones. They were Israel. And they could look back and they could document verse here and verse there that said, we are the chosen people of God. They were a chosen nation. They were related and chosen for a purpose as a nation, but that did not deal with the issue of salvation. It gets cleared up in Hebrews 11 when they were tying it all the way back to Abraham and saying, we are the chosen nation. We are the only ones that get God's love. We are Abraham's seed. Hebrews 11 says, no, Abraham's seed was the seed of faith. It was because of his faith in me, the predetermined one. Me, who brings salvation and salvation alone. It was his faith that brought salvation. And while God has a unique purpose for the nation of Israel, that does not speak to the issue of salvation because Paul says the gospel is not just for the nation of Israel. It is for all nations, for even the Gentile. That's where those of us who aren't descendants of Abraham get real excited about the gospel. God just didn't choose Israel. God chose a plan, and God chose the man who would be a ransom for all. This man of salvation is the key to election. Matter of fact, it was prophesied uh, in Isaiah chapter 42. Flip over to Isaiah 42. As we build this foundation of the election we see that that election had a candidate. A candidate who would receive the vote of holy God. Look at Isaiah 42 and verse 1. God says, behold, my servant, capital M, capital S. This isn't any servant. It isn't the servant Isaiah. This isn't speaking of Isaiah. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus, the chosen one. Watch this. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one. That word for chosen is also the interchangeable word for elect, the elect one. When you want to talk about election, I don't talk about whether that's you or you or not you. I talk about the chosen one. Election was accomplished by the one who declared himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. This chosen one was the predetermined plan before the foundation of the world. Before you had ever sinned, before Adam and Eve ever sinned, God predetermined the way that we could be saved. And that predetermined plan was through a, through a predetermined man, the chosen one. Notice this, so it says, My chosen one in whom my soul delights, I've put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations." you look at the last part of Isaiah 42 verse 1, there is a, uh, there's a wealth of theology represented in that simple verse. First of all, the predetermined plan points to the predetermined man. It doesn't point to a man, a woman, this man, this woman. It points to the man who would make the way of salvation. But notice why Jesus came. He didn't come for an elect few He came as a ransom for all to bring forth, look at the last part of verse 1, to bring forth justice to who? The nations, plural. You see, Israel believed that they were the only nation that had the favor of God, that all other nations were pagan, and in those days they were pagan. They wanted nothing to do with the holy God of Israel. Jesus came not for just Israel, a nation. He came to provide justice for all the nations. And justice is this. Justice is when a crime has been committed. Justice is that crime being paid for. The crime was committed by every person in this room and every tongue and every tribe, every nation on this planet, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the penalty, wages of sin, is death. Justice was served. Justice was served when Jesus, the chosen one, came to be a ransom for all of the sin of the world, and he paid that price that whosoever would look to the predetermined plan through the predetermined man could become the elect of God. Justice has been served. That's why Paul could preach to the Gentile, and that's why Paul could preach anywhere he went, and he cast the net to all of mankind, not just to a select few. I've put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. As we look in on the predetermined plan, the predetermined man, we find the sovereignty of God. We find the provision of God. And many would accuse me, perhaps, in this moment, of lowering the gospel and bringing man into the equation. I'm not doing that. We could not be saved apart from the predetermined plan. We cannot be saved apart from the predetermined man. And somehow within all of who God is and the sovereignty that he is, he also has given you the ability to respond to the predetermined plan. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, let's look at a few other verses. Go over to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to flip back and forth between Ephesians and 1 Peter, so keep your places here, but let's dig in. Ephesians 1, if you're still there, say "Uh Uh uh-huh. If you're online, wave at me. Okay, look at verse 4. Ephesians 1, verse 4. Speaking of this election, this predetermined plan, in verse 4 he says, even as he chose us, that would be the elect, in him. This is where I see uh, the elect are those who are found in Christ, those who are in him. We are the chosen. That is the chosen way. Those who place their faith in the Messiah, the one that brought justice. Even as he chose us, I'd always circle in him. You're going to see that phrase over and over and over again. As Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 to a lost audience, he preached the election He preached the predetermined plan and the predetermined man. Now, as Paul preaches to a saved audience, he now can reveal to them, you are the chosen ones. Not because they were a select few, but because they came to understand the predetermined plan and they gave their faith over to the predetermined man. They were now in Christ and he said, now you're the chosen Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, notice, they had not sinned. This is before the foundation of the world. They had not even accepted Christ yet. What was determined before any of that ever happened? The plan and the man. And because they responded to the gospel, they were now in Christ, and they were chosen. In love, it says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will. So I look at this passage, I see the elect are those who are chosen in him, who is the way, the truth, and life. The way of election was predestined, and God predetermined a way that we could be a part of the family of God, the way that we could be adopted in. Before we were ever born, the plan was established. Before we would ever sin, Christ would come, the chosen one, and he would die as a ransom for all. That whosoever would believe would become the chosen of God. Hold your place in Ephesians. We'll come back, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. you got to listen real quick because the clock is lying to me. Uh, take a look at it, verse 18. Peter said, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but you were bought with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Look at verse 20. For you were foreknown. Is that what it says? He doesn't speak to elect few. He says he. What's preached here? The predetermined one, Jesus. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. And he has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Not a select few, but for you who believe. That is what is preached in the gospel. He came for the sake of you who through him, there it is again, in him, through him, you are now believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. There are the elect ones. The ones who through Christ, the foreknown one, now have a relationship with God. The focus is not on a person here or a person there. It's on the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So go back to Ephesians 1. Let's try to wrap it up. Today, understanding the election. Moving forward, what does that election mean to you and me who believe and are found in Christ the elect? Look at verse 11. Ephesians 1, verse 11 now. Here it is again. In him, that speaks of the elect, those who look to the predetermined man, we also have obtained an inheritance. You better underline that and mark it down. You see, there was an election that God predetermined before the foundation of the world. There was a way of salvation that all who would call on his name would receive an inheritance. What does that mean? What is that? I would rather focus on these election results than what all the media outlets are trying to get me to focus on in these last days of November. I would rather focus on that which is eternal than that which might be corrupt. I'd rather focus on what Jesus has done and what that means to me for eternity than what a president might do over the next four years. So it's time to elevate It's time to look at the election that matters. An inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance to the plan of his will. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be the praise of his glory. Look at verse 13, there's that phrase again, in him. Who are the elect? Those who are in him, keep it simple. They can argue all day at seminary, let them do it allows them to charge $500 an hour to try to get people to wrestle with it and figure it out with finite minds about an infinite truth. What I can receive is knowing that I'm in Christ, and if I'm in Christ, I have an inheritance. Take a look at this. But how did I get that inheritance? By being in him. How did I come to be in Christ? See, I haven't always been in Christ. I thought maybe I was okay with God. Thought I was a believer, but I wasn't. How did I come to be in Christ and now get to preach the gospel before you today? Look at it. In Him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Spirit of promise. What we find here in Ephesians is Paul is validating what is preached over in Romans that faith comes not just to elect people who God has predestined, but God brings a predetermined plan through the predetermined man. That gospel is preached, and whoever shall believe in the way, the truth, and the life, they shall be in Christ the elect, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Can I get an amen, amen from those in Christ? And so as we conclude, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, you can look on the screen, it says this, So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And in all this, we obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, It is undefiled. It will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through what's it say? Faith. This election will always remain in U.S. history as a contested, debated, potentially somewhat fraudulent vote in different areas, in different states, in different ways. Doesn't matter what one side says or the other. But what I can say about this election that we need to focus in on there is no debate. There is no fraud. It is undisputable. It has been accomplished for all of eternity. It is safe. It is secure. It is binding. And it is freeing. Let's focus on that election and the results that are now ours through Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Oh, just hearing the word election gets overwhelming, doesn't it? I want to turn that word into a blessing. What has become a four-letter word to some, even though they can't spell apparently, is a beautiful, glorious truth in Scripture. That there is an election that you can trust. There is an election that is flawless. There is an election that was bought with a high price. More than 14 billion dollars, it was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ who became a ransom, not for a few, but for all. The sad news is not all are saved. Not all want a king. Not all want to be saved. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I know this truth. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Are you saved? Are you in Christ? Are you just in church or tuning in online? could be this morning that the election has opened the eyes of your heart. And you understand you've never cast your vote for Jesus. You never made Jesus the leader of your life. Perhaps today you need to call on his name and you need to be saved. Whether it's in this main event center or whether it's worshiping online, right now you can just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you, Lord. Thank you for loving me dying for me thank you Lord for predetermining the plan and the man God today I submit to that man the Lord Jesus I submit to you I invite you to be the Lord of my life Bible says if you call on his name just now a miracle happened God took an old sinner an old nature made you a new creature just now you've been born a second time you've been born again if that happened in your life here in this room if you would mark that on the back of a communication card turn it in as you leave this morning if that's true for you online right now reach out to the online pastor if you're watching one of our archive sermons just email the church ministry at pcbc.tv share with us what God's doing in your life Maybe you're distancing at home over the next few weeks. Maybe you need a church family. You don't have to be here on campus. You can join the church and say, I need a church family. Just indicate that as well to our online pastor or at ministry at pcbc.tv. For those in this room, if that's your desire, you can indicate that on the back of your communication card. If you have another need, we'd love to know how to pray for you or how to serve you in the days ahead. Let me pray for you now. Father, in Jesus' name the man of salvation. We come before your throne of grace thanking you for your eternal love, your transformational grace, and the inheritance that is ours through Christ, an inheritance that will not fade, an inheritance that cannot be stolen, one that is sure and true for all of eternity. God, may we rest in the peace of that knowledge the knowledge of you, as we are found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We declare all these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.